This is Sound Heights Records Podcast, Session 26. And the song lyric of the day is by Craig Shatton. I misplaced the note that I wrote to her. Little ladybug, I know. I called out her name. What a shame. Little ladybug, you're gone. This feeling is strong. My heart can't be wrong. And this thumping inside beats right to the skies. Little ladybug, come home. Little ladybug, come home. Yes, I hear you, and I understand. I'll be looking for you throughout the show. Welcome to the Sound Heights Records Podcast. Harmonizing life and music, growing as an artist, improving as a person, gaining insight and inspiration, conversations with world-class musicians. Welcome to Sound Heights Records. This is Yusril Arye. Today, we welcome to the podcast a good friend of mine from back in the high school days, who's a very accomplished individual. He's a very creative person who's applied his creativity and his talents for the last number of years primarily to educating particularly very young children, like kindergarten and preschool age. I've always known him as a really creative and really funny guy. Um, He's a, a talented musician and songwriter as well. And he's created an app that combines his love of music and of education for young children that's called Studio Island. And it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, we've been playing it with it with my, my kids. It's kind of based on GarageBand on a phone, and, and, but it makes it a lot more fun. There's, there's a lot more to it for kids with uh, really great graphics and cartoon characters and funny voices, and you can uh, record music, which is the main thing of it. Uh, for my like kids who are a little younger, the, my four-year-old in particular, we really liked, there's a section of the app where you kind of explore uh, and learn about different instruments. You can kind of click on them and they, the instruments play and it explains a little bit about them. Um, you can go into like a keyboard lounge and there's a room with, with different kinds of bass instruments and drums. It's really impressive how much has gone into this this really unique app. So I wanted to talk to Craig, not really being that much in touch with him, that I didn't really know his full story. Um, we were, we've were we been friends for years, but never never really that close. And I was really happy to get from him um, his story and his motivation and really what he's up to now in being motivated to, to create and market this app um, as successful as he's been as a teacher for many years, he's really driven to take all the experience he's had in this really unbounded, overflowing creativity and apply it to this project with a real entrepreneurial spirit. He's really inspiring. When I started talking to him about how driven he is, he recommended a book called The One Thing, which... Uh, I started reading since I interviewed him and it found it very inspiring. 
about really focusing on one thing at a time, really, really laser focusing on one thing until that task is completed in order to see success in one's life. So we talked about that. We, we talked about infusing creativity as a parent and as an educator. And this is something that I've been thinking about a lot and trying to implement. And talking to him actually really gave me a lot of insight and inspiration into how to incorporate more fun and humor and creativity into you know, being a parent, being a teacher. Um, it, it's helped me kind of bring disparate parts of my life together one part as a kind of a creative musician, another part as a, a special ed teacher, another part as a parent, and seeing how it's really all connected and it could really be different aspects that feed each other and inform each other, which has been really important for me. As I've spoken about in recent podcast episodes, taking on more uh, special ed teaching and looking for ways to inject creativity into that as much as I'd want to be sometimes just making music on my own, but bringing more music, more creativity into that sphere. Um, you know, because kids, even in the yeshiva environments that, that I'm teaching, where it's not necessarily that they don't have music programs, even though they do actually learn a lot of, uh, a lot of melodies, they, there's a lot of singing um, in the Hasidic tradition. But in terms of instrumental instruction, it's uh, sometimes it, it can happen out of school, but Often the kids don't really have time because the days are so long. And and I found that not just the students, of course, the kids appreciate music, but I found that the teachers there, while very traditional in their approach, have been really open and welcoming to bringing in some of these newer elements that are not typically there in the classes, you know, I brought in my, been bringing in my, my flute, my uh, Native American flute, where I could play like two or three <laughs> traditional Hasidic melodies on it. I'm learning more. It's a very limited range. But either way, it's fun, you know, making up stories sometimes, telling stories. There's a lot of opportunity. Craig talks about, it's interesting, I found a parallel that I asked him regarding improvisation, because he, he talked about as a teacher being very improvisational kind of showing up and have kind of working out an idea on the way to school and making up stories and making up lessons. And I find that very inspirational. That's kind of my style, but I kind of got burned by that a little bit in the sense that I would depend on that a lot and then sometimes the inspiration just wouldn't be there. So we kind of discussed that and his approach to that and the sense that I got besides just having years of experience doing it is also a kind of mental preparation when he describes that trip to school when he's planning the lessons he's really engaged in the preparation so even though it's kind of spontaneous when he gets there but he's already kind of planted some seeds in his mind about where he's going to go and i can imagine the kids that he teaches being really thrilled and excited by that sense of wonder and newness and you could really see that in this app that he created. It really has a lot of those elements of of really discovery and creativity and, you know, a lot of really hilarious elements as well. The The host of the app is a donkey named DJ Radonkulis. And there's all these little characters that are playing the instruments, these little cartoon characters. It's super cool. 
So check that out. I'll put the link to that in the show notes. I want to, before we get to the interview, thank our patrons for supporting this and all our podcasts. You can join and support the podcast at patreon.com slash soundheightsrecords or go to soundheightsrecords.com and check out the Patreon link. There's a lot of rewards, unreleased tracks. We're putting up a couple new ones um, very soon. And one more thing I did want to mention that there's a Brooklyn Jazz Warriors gig. It's been a little while. Coming up on October 2nd, 11 p.m. at Rockwood Music Hall in Manhattan on stage one. Really looking forward to that, getting some music out there. If you're in town and up at that hour, please come in and check us out. So here it is, our interview with Craig Shatton. Wonderful. Well, I, as you know, just made a recording studio for children. I know. I, we, so we've been playing with it. Um, it's really kind of cool. Oh, wonderful. I kept my son occupied on a long car trip for, for a good, a good chunk of time. My four, my four year old. Oh, perfect. Yeah. I, I think it skews, you know, we tested it with a whole bunch of kids at a school. Uh, my friend, Harry, who does a lot of the music in there, he's a music, he's a music teacher and he teaches kindergarten through high school. So we tested it with like a whole bunch of kids, about 500 or so. And the sweet spot, like the kids who couldn't get enough of it were like first and second graders. Right, right. It makes sense. A little bit older than my, than, than. There's a lot in there, you know, little kids like it. My three, my two and a half, almost three year old, she really loves it. And, you know, older she gets, the more into it, the more, like I catch her now jumping on there a lot. Um, so, you know, little kids, I think I naturally, I've taught kindergarten for so long and now I teach preschool that I think naturally a lot of my sensibility skews young. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I, was ha- I was happy that the first and second graders were liking it because I've never taught kids that old. Well, it was funny because w- there was like a theme going on that my four and three-year-old were, uh, saying a lot of bathroom sounds and my, my wife was like you know we don't don't say bathroom sounds you know there was just saying like just to be funny like poopy and this and that and then we and then in your app has the the toilet sounds <laughs> it's like i think we have to revise that rule if we're while on engaging that. Yeah. in this app <laughs> that's one that it's so funny like some parents it's like their favorite it's just so silly and then others yeah. are like oh we're trying to discourage that right you know i realized it, it, it's kind of a rule without reason you know let kids be I get know. Into the, it's like when do we let them know that farts really are funny <laughs> well, do, you, do, do you know you know that jack alfanakis skit it was like really old where he's doing like stand up in front of a uh, a group of, of little kids in like a nursery school preschool like kindergarten class or whatever it was have you seen that no i haven't so he gets up and he's doing like as if he's just doing like a nightclub stand-up act and he's doing some really sophisticated joke, and the kids are just staring at him. And he goes, "Poop face." <laughs> oh no, no, no! He goes, and, and then I pooped on his head, <laughs> and he's getting a lot. That's great. Yeah, that's a crowd pleaser. Um, we say in the classroom, we're always, you know, if they start 
going too crazy with the bathroom humor. Yeah. Said, Keep that in the bathroom. So we kind of relegated into that room. So when they're going to the bathroom in there, they can make all their fart jokes and all that stuff. Uh, that sounds like a good policy. Yeah. It's su- it's such a fun, you know, if they wouldn't go too crazy with it, you know, it wouldn't bother us at all. But it kind of takes over, has a life of its own. But- how did you get into, like, I know you're, you're, I can see you're really passionate about working with kids and you've been doing it for a long time. Now, obviously you have a special talent for it. But like, I, I don't ever remember talking to you about how that ended up coming, how that ended yeah. up happening for you. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. When I was, I've always kind of spoke kid. So even when I was a kid, when I was like a 10 year old, I enjoyed playing with five and six year olds and like taking care of them, babysitting, you know, babysitting little kids. And I've always like at, at big family dinners, I would love to like take care of the kids and not participate in the grown up conversation, but, you know, just go and have some fun and play with the little guys. Um, so I've always, you know, just love little kids. And then I wasn't sure what direction I would go with my life. And that just kept becoming a theme you know i was at college and i just volunteered in a kindergarten class just for fun Hmm. i didn't i didn't major in education um but i you know i majored in religion religious studies and anthropology but then i you know i I started working at kindergarten and it ended up being like the most exciting day of my week when i got Hmm. to go there and i'd always find myself making up these incredible lessons for them you know even though i didn't have to i'd come in and like we'd build a castle one day or I'd be like, oh, can we play with shaving cream and colors? And I'd, I'd always be like coming up, coming up with fun activities. And then after school, after college, I was sort of a little lost for a year or so. And everybody was kind of like prodding me in the direction of law school, even though I really had no interest in that. Mm-hmm. So I worked, I worked in a law firm for that first year after I graduated. And I remember there, I saw on the list of lawyers that worked at, at this law firm was an old camp counselor of mine. So I went up and I saw him and we reconnected and he's like, oh, that's so amazing. What do you want to do? You know, what do you, where do you see yourself? And I'm like, well, you know, I'd love to write some kids books and draw some cartoons and I'd love to <laughs> build puppets. <laughs> and he was like, do me a favor and please don't go to law school. <laughs> he said to me. <laughs> He said I was very similar. You know, I had all these creative interests, and I just went to law school, sort of because I was told to. And now it's years later, and it's sort of I have all this school debt, and I can make a lot of money as a lawyer. And I have, you know, I'm married. I have a whole lifestyle. I have to keep up, but hmm. I'm really, it's really not my passion. And he's like, trust me, don't do it. So that's what drove me to music school. And then I went to Berkeley Music School after that for a year. Huh. And then. After the end of that year, and that was just like a year to clear my mind. I love music, so I just kind of went there. I sold it to my parents, the idea, like, I don't know what I want to do, but this is like a good education for now. And then at the end of that is when I kind of realized and I had and started getting my master's in early childhood education. And I never looked back, and that was about 20 years ago. And I've always taught kindergarten, preschool, or pre-K, nothing older than kindergarten. And currently, I'm the director of education at a little preschool in Brooklyn. Oh, wow. That's great. Where, how long have you been doing that? This will be my third year as the director of education. And I'm still in the classroom as well. So it's both. 
And it's really exciting. You know, I work this school. It's like so creative, child centered, Reggio based. And the my co-teacher, Robert, he is an actor and a comedian, and he is the main character in my game, that donkey. Uh-huh. All right. So it's like the two of us in the classroom. <laughs> DJ Redonkulous. He's DJ Redonkulous. And <laughs> he and I do like probably half the voices in there, like just being silly because we're so used to making jokes with the kids all day. Yeah. So you can really feel that, you know. And then the joke's in there. Did you make it into the balloons yet? Yeah. Yeah, we checked out. We we checked out, uh, the, you know, a lot of those instruments. That was a really cool part of the experience. I and mean, I think for my for my three and four year old, the recording grid was not as exciting as just the exploring the different instruments in those balloons. That I know that that part is so much fun. I could spend so much time in there. Did you notice you can tap on things like multiple times? I didn't notice that. I noticed there was an you can do an info thing and then it, you could have like hear hear the instrument and you can also get little information which I would read to them. But there was another I mean there's more information when you click on it. Yeah, go in there. Things. So like let's say you tap on the banjo. The first time yeah. you might you might hear a banjo sound, the second time he'll start talking to you. Third each thing can says multiple things. Uh-huh. Oh cool. So it's got a lot of layers to it. Yeah. And what's so cool, I, I mean I love to say in like the keyboard lounge. You know, yeah. you've got clavinet. Did you notice there's a Hammond B3? Yeah. Oh, there's yeah, of course. Wurlitzer, yeah, yeah. Fender I Rhodes. <laughs> there's a lot of, like, geeky music stuff that, like, only musicians would know or care about. <laughs> but, yeah, that, or kids, or kids that are, you know, it's good. I mean, I didn't know what a Moog was, you know, until, like, a few years back. Right, right. It's So I'm excited about that. That's, I mean, we'll see. That layer really excites me to introduce kids to, like, these very subtle differences in like keyboard sounds and you know different percussion instruments and things like that yeah it's uh it's pretty amazing you've been getting a lot of, a lot of good feedback from um i have been yeah i've been getting yeah so far there's a lot of excitement around it and uh the, what, what i'm finding you know with the with the younger kids like the balloons are you know it's sort of an open playground an audio sandbox kind of thing but a lot of the kids, the music studio part where they get to make their song has been like the biggest hit. And yeah. that's part of the reason we shuffle you right into that. Because we used to, we, we laid it out differently at first where you start the game and you're right on the big map and you can go wherever you want. Right. Um, and that sort of follows more traditional game kind of design. But then there was such a want for this music studio. It was by far most people's favorite. So we just shuffle you right in there. Right at this point. Well, I've you know I've I've done like some garage you know GarageBand on the iPhone with my kids. They love that, but this is more obviously a lot more kid friendly. <laughs> and yeah, my and education that's where I started. That's where the yeah. idea came from. I was like, I want to make a yeah. GarageBand that's for kids. When you're done with this, you can go right into GarageBand and and you won't be. You'll kind of know what to do. You know, it introduces I mean, you to tracks and multi-track recording, and it's it looks like a piece of music software. Yeah. So. You know, once you hit GarageBand a year or two later, you'll kind of, the learning curve will be really easy. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, how amazing is that? Just to step back for a second. You know, just a GarageBand on iPhone. I mean, I've been using it to create, you know, fully expression, you know, full expression of creative, uh, you know, hooking yeah. instruments into it and keyboards and doing all sorts of, it's like, 
just anybody can access this amazing recording software just in your hand and play these instruments on the screen. I mean, it's amazing. This is a technology that um, that's accessible. And it's so cool. I mean, now that I've gotten into the process of creating this stuff, it's really a whole, it's deep how fascinating it gets. Like on the, you know, when you lift up the hood and you see how the stuff is made, you know, I've always been like a little fascinated. I've taken like a couple programming classes and uh -huh. it fascinates me. I don't have like the patience for the deep, hard level coding. Yeah. So I work with a programmer who does that stuff, but I, but through the process, like I've learned so much and I'm doing little bits of coding here and there that, you know, and implementing like things and creating these animations. And it's so fascinating how it works. It's like a big puzzle. And, you know, right. when we decide we want to make something, we have to figure out how to make it work. And it's very logical and it's very interesting. That's cool. Have you seen, have you seen parallels between the programming and the music itself? Um, you know, it's, it's very different. I think I've been doing a lot of programming the animations. So, you know, I animate the characters and then I also, all the, all those instruments that are talking to you and moving around, like I animate those and that's just sort of setting, you know, rotate this, rotate like this, wiggle like that, scale like right. that, move right. like this. Right. It's very different than the music, you know, music there's well, you know, you know how it's very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, the timing of it, you know, because you have something speaking, so I'll count how many beats, uh -huh, uh -huh. you know, like how, and, it, you know, puppeteering actually came in real handy. So I sort of think, how many times would the mouth move? Sometimes you can cheat it, you know, if there's like a lot of speaking really fast, you don't right. want it to go bump, 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 bump. So you just right. kind of like, you know, if it, it would be like a triplet, you might just hit it one time, you know? Yeah. So music has definitely come into play, actually, now that I think out loud. And when I'm animating, it makes it, it's, it's part of it. But when it comes to the actual coding, you know, that's like a lot of like organization and data processing and setting user data, like, oh, you know, labeling, labeling different objects a certain way so that it'll behave a certain way. So it's not so much like music. Well, check, check this out. It's interesting because so um, a previous guest of this podcast was a, is a piano player. I studied with him for a while, Dan Tepfer. He's a programmer, and he's also a, a jazz pianist. Um, and he's created, he was just on Tiny Desk, and I've been sharing this performance. He's been working on this for years, but the, the Tiny Desk performance is a real great encapsulation. He has visual element, and he has a programming element where he uses an acoustic piano where the notes are being played back in certain sequences. It's pretty incredible. I'll, I'll send it to you after this. I think you'd really love it. But it, he's like, he discusses how he's exploring where music and programming meet. Oh, that's where, really where cool. structure, yeah, where structure and, and chaos meet, you know, struck creativity and um, form. Oh, that's, a, that sounds fascinating. Yeah. So it makes me think of it when, you know, when we're, we're dealing with these machines to make music, you know, it's like, um your app and you know the garage app or just any it's like it feels in some ways um different i mean it's obviously someone who's interested in like into real instruments you know that i for me i was like for years a purist <laughs> i wouldn't even play a digital piano like i oh, hated wow. it i just you know i only always played a, a Rhodes and, and and as long as it was analog i was into it um and then and then I just kind of let that go <laughs> a couple of yeah. years ago. But, uh, 
because I realize it's there, there's so much that can be. It's the player, not the instrument, for the most part. But I see so, such potential, um, and ultimately, the the feeling and the experience, the connection we have through music. I mean, while it's not exactly the same, certainly not the same in a device and let's say you're recording and in person, but that's always been the case. Yeah. But still, but still it's a real, you know, real experience. I, I, you know, it takes me back to when we were in high school, that was like my first exposure when our friends who would love to just go down to Pete Carp's basement and jam and watching, you know, him bang on those drums and everybody playing. And I, you know, before high school, I, I never really isolated the sounds of instruments and, you know, I would just listen in this very romantic way to songs as one big piece of music, mm. not really. And it wasn't until I got to high school that I, was, I started picking out the drums and then, oh, where's the bass in there? I can't hear a bass. Oh, there it is. You know, mm. I, and that was like where it all started. And that was like really what I tried to get at. What's really underneath with this app is the whole concept of isolating sounds and then putting right. them together and remixing them in different ways. Because for me, at least, that was what where my whole musical journey started. Yeah. You know, that's and I cool. Think, so like, I just love the idea of a kid putting in just drums and listening to it and then putting dr just drums and keyboard. And let me get rid of that and put just drums and piano. What's the difference? Oh, it gets rid of that. And then just do drums and a flute and hearing, you know, two or three things together and just additive building. Right. You know? Yeah. For me, at least, that's really what started me as a musician. And I have a hankering that that's sort of a way in for a lot of kids when, when you were in, in studying in berkeley what, what instrument did you focus on or what was your what was your experience like there that was so interesting i i was a guitar major and songwriting and i sort of fudged my way in there like i really did not know much music theory walking in the door and i didn't mm -hmm. I didn't really know. I just kind of was very self-taught, you know, just from being around all you guys who are these great musicians. Um, so I picked it up through osmosis and jamming. And then I was really in over my head that first year there. I only stayed for a year and a half because um, they'd sit us down and they'd put the music in front of you and I couldn't read music. So I'd have to like hmm. do it by ear. And then the music theory classes, I was able to get really good grades because I'm fairly good in math, so I could just, on paper, I could, I could build my chords and figure out, you know, chord progressions and, uh -huh. and you know, iron out, like, a jazz progression and what, yeah, 251, whatever it is. Yeah. I could do it on paper, but I couldn't go home and play it on my instrument. <laughs> you know, so. And for the first time in my life, I was a little in over my head, you know, because I've always been that type who just kind of walked through and was able to get pretty good grades in school without trying too hard. So mm -hmm. I had, for the first time, I had to try real hard. And it was good for me because, you know, I was kind of, it, it got me to be a lot more regimented and it taught me about practice and discipline. I never had any of those things. It, I, for a while there, I, I became, you know, a little anxious. I, you know, I've always been very laid back, but I remember my friend being like popping over. He's like, oh, you want to grab lunch? And I'd be like, I was going to get lunch in eight minutes from now. You know, I was very overwhelmed at the time when i was at berkeley but uh -huh. it was it was such a great education you know years later i still you know look back to that and then i've been giving music lessons to kids you know i did that for like 15 years and one of my students that i taught in kindergarten 
she is going to music school. I was her private teacher, and now she's just started her freshman year at, at USC, I think, music or UCLA, one of those two, at the uh -huh. music program. She, you know, it was really exciting. I got her into guitar and piano. And wow. She's, she's a songwriter now, and she's really talented. So what, what's interesting, I guess, you know, from my own experience in the with music school and kind of a path between res the responsibilities of life, earning money, like you were saying with your experience as a lawyer or in a law firm and the creative side of life. So it's interesting because for me, I, I feel like I have that, uh, that tension between creating and teaching. It sounds like for you, it's like a seamless, like for you, teaching is your, is a creative, yeah. A creative outlet. Yeah, certainly. And yeah, maybe I could. I would love to to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, get some from you know because I so I have the music that I make, and then I have the let's say the special ed teaching that I do. Which right. is in, and I know I could probably I could probably inject some more creativity into it, but I feel like the environment isn't isn't as as free. You know, sometimes right. it's, it's, uh, is it, and maybe I'm just making excuses. I don't know. How, how would you, what would you, do you ever get teachers who are, who you give advice about how to inject creativity yeah. into their teaching? I, yeah, I have done some of that. It, I've been really lucky because I've always taught in very progressive schools and I've always had bosses who've been very hands off. And so I've mm. sort of had a lab to sort of learn as I go and, create as I go. And getting into game design has affected my teaching greatly in the past few years because that's, I'm always trying to come up with games. And, and you know, we're very improvisational because mm -hmm. little kids, it's like you never know what's going to happen with these little kids. Sure. And so, like, I get the most inspired sort of on my walk, my subway ride and my walk to school is where I come, oh, today I'm going to do this, that, and the other thing. And I come up with like right. four or five ideas I want to do that day. So I'm not one of these people who like does well planning next week. And I think that is much better when it comes to little children because right. they, they are always bobbing and weaving. And, and I found such a big difference between kindergarten, which I taught for 12 years before I yeah. came to this preschool. What a difference in age, like just five to three. It's like I've had to adjust how I present my lessons greatly you know i would put yeah. out i love making games you know and he's just doing like a matching game let's say with the kindergartners they're like flipping a card and finding a match with the with the little guys i put all the cards right on the table open faced and they still have a hard time finding matches you know right right and so i like those kind of games i like take i like do a lot of pictures of the kids and pictures of the teachers and pictures of us doing different emotions and to try to like embed what we're wanting them to learn you know we, like learning about emotions is really big at this age so a yeah. lot of the games have to do with emotions or you know recognizing your friends and or the just the first letter of your name um, but we get real creative like storytelling is a big part of our classroom music um you know it's very art-based and humor is big obviously with us yeah we have a lot of fun so it's interesting because so for me, I also tend towards the improvisational, and I I run into sometimes the same challenge with the teaching as sometimes it happens with completely improvised music, where some days 
you're you're on and sometimes in some days you're not so like sometimes like the ideas are flowing and things are happening and other times you come in with without an idea and you wish i wish i hadn't (laughs) had an idea because i have no idea i don't know if that ever happens to you or, or or is it kind of like the thing where i've discovered with music which obviously you prepare for the freedom you know you prepare your skills you prepare your concept and then yeah i've always done best with like having a list of like 10 things I might want to do this week. Uh-huh. And then that day I'll just lock onto one. I've gotten, you know, I, when I taught kindergarten, it was all on my shoulders to like do the planning and the lessons. And now I'm with like two other teachers that are all three of us are, are really, I'd say good at what we do and we really share it. So maybe once or twice a week, it's me. Some weeks I might do every day, but some weeks I might do none of them because we share that. Yeah. But when I was teaching kindergarten, it was all on me. My, I feel like that creative muscle was so strong because I'd start every lesson. I'd, I'd just start with a story and I'd just yeah. sit down with everybody. You're never going to guess what happened to me on the way to school today. Oh, my goodness. I was walking down the street and then this big bird flew over and it did this. And I'd always start with some almost like a bedtime story. You tell your yeah. kids. Yeah, yeah. And I'd start each lesson with a story. Uh-huh. And I would always and, you know, the, the more I got into it during the year, like the more I would, be, I would like weave in like all sorts of things that really were relevant that were happening in our class or lessons we were working on. Yeah. You know, if we were doing the five senses, I, I went into a, this crazy store. It was like during Halloween and there were like eyeballs on the wall and like, you know, all the body parts, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, they were talking to me and stuff, you know, so, it, I, you know, that creative muscle gets so much stronger. Now I, I can rely a little bit on the, my co-teachers, you know, so it's some, mm-hmm. some days I feel that struggle where I'm like, what am I going to do today? But often, you know, you just, if you just sit down, you just feed off the energy of the kids and it's, and the way all of us teach, it's so not like teacher driven. It's really getting it out of their hands. So, you, you know, inevitably you start a little conversation, you know, and one kid wants to, there's always like a kid who wants to talk and they want to talk about farm animals. I just went to my uncle's farm and then they'll, there you go. That lesson is going to be about farm animals. And, you know, we make up a little game and everybody's an animal going to a party. And which animal are you? Let's try to, let's try to guess what animal he is and then make the sound, you know, it just really comes naturally to turn and we turn it into a game very quickly and easily, you know? Yeah, that sounds so, so you know, like, would you usually, when you'd start those stories, at the beginning of the day or beginning of a, a class, would you, you'd be usually just making them up on the spot or you're, or like you had, you had thought about them, let's say on the way to school, you'd, you'd come up with something. I would, what it, was more uh, often? I would say like 75% of the time I'm making up on the spot. Other times mm-hmm. I just, I know, okay, yesterday we were learning about shadows. So I want to make a story about shadows and that's kind of as far as I mm-hmm. know, the rest is improvised. So I might kind of know what theme I'm trying to hit. Hmm. And then sometimes I might say, you know, it would be cool if like I opened the door and there was a shadow of, you know, a turtle and then I jumped into it and then I was in the land of turtles. I might have like just a starting point of where I'm going to go, but I have no idea once we get to the land of turtles where what's going to happen. Right. (laughs) It's like like a dungeon master. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. I never I never got into that, but I probably should. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's a story. I mean, uh, do you ever write down the stories that that you I did? I haven't done that in a little while, but I spent two years where I wrote down everything, like that day's story, lesson, wow. 
some of the things that went on, some of the anecdotes with the children, you know, with the idea that I'll probably return back to it and maybe write a little book or something. Yeah. With it. That's, that sounds amazing. Have you, have you gone back to look at it recently? No, I haven't really. <laughs> I've been so not, focused on this app, you know, getting this app out. Yeah. No, I had an experience where I once I, um, made up kind of like an epic story for my kids. Um, I thought it was really like, you know, unique Tristan turns. I also made it up on the spot. And then I sat down to, to write it out. And it took me like three weeks. <laughs> right through the story, it took me like 15 minutes to tell. It was like, what a labor. You know what I mean? It was like, it was like writing, we'll writing do... an hour every day, you know, like, I don't know why. It does take a long time. So, sometimes we'll record it, you know, we'll do uh-huh. audio recordings with my co-teacher and I. Like, he's an amazing storyteller. That's, he's an actor and an improviser. And part of his thing is storytelling. Like, he does storytelling workshops with kids. Uh-huh. So I've learned so much from him. He does these amazing stories with the kids. So interactive, you know, it's like, oh, there's a paintbrush on your hair. Let's paint paint the ceiling with your head and it's all very physical and interactive and the kids are moving around it's it's really phenomenal it sounds amazing i mean it, it seems like to maintain that kind of motivation to do what you do for many years obviously it sounds like there's obviously a natural there's always been kind of a natural energy you get from that kind of work yeah uh, but, it's, but it's, it's do you, and, sorry do you no it's I, it's uh I can't imagine it's always come naturally or, you know, is, is there a certain part of like, because for most adults, especially creative adults, there's like a, a struggle or, or it takes some work to retain one's natural childlike wonder and yeah. creativity. Have, have you been, has that been something you've actually consciously worked through or you've always felt that it was kind of, it flowed for you? Because usually I, adult stuff gets in the way, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, for anxiety, sure, et cetera. for sure. I think that like my first few years teaching, it took me a little time to really understand how to get kids and speak their language and, and not, you know, it's very, I think it's hard. I see a lot of like parents will come in to do a little lesson. It's very hard to like get down to their level and speak. Mm-hmm you know, not throw in like, you know, make things real simple enough that they understand it, but open enough that it, it leaves room for their ideas. And you're not just like looking for one or two answers, but you're looking for open-ended responses. Right. Um, and I just think doing it over time, you get better and better at it. And, uh, you know, not by now it's, it's so second nature. What's interesting. It's really made me, you know, I have like almost my daughter's almost three teaching preschool has made me i think such a better parent hmm. like it just prepared me so well to be a parent you know like because i yeah so it's just so you know we're brushing teeth this morning and she doesn't want to open her mouth i'm like all right let's do it like a robot now let's, do it. <laughs> let's do it like opera stars you know you're getting her to yeah or like as we're eating it's like oh let's she wants to be a fairy okay let's all take a fairy bite together you know, all these things kind of it, it helped me as a parent, you know, because she's very creative. So I could just get to her through her creativity so easily. That sounds amazing. Yeah, I've, I've had a similar experience, come to think of it, with um, my, my teaching versus my parenting as well. Um, I, I, this summer, actually, I had an opportunity as part of the special ed that I do to work inside a couple of classrooms in places I haven't been before with an ed, you know, much older Hasidic educator who had 
a very firm grasp on how to convey um, kind of the spirit of what he was teaching. And it was probably good 70% stories, you know, um, and a lot of, a lot of like traditional stories, a lot of like old Hasidic stories or anecdotes that he would tell and he'd prepare and, and, and the kids would be like fascinated, you know, and obviously these are stories that are designed to impart, well, you know, wisdom, wisdom or yeah, perspective or wonder, you know, often. And I found that very, that translated a lot to my interactions with the, in my kids, as opposed to, you know, kind of giving them, like you're saying, there's just directing someone to do something, <laughs> kid to do something he doesn't want to do it. You make it a game, you make it a sense of wonder, a sense of adventure, and they get, yeah. uh, you know, very excited about it. Yeah, I mean, it's very possible we just got really lucky that my daughter's temperament might just be so easy, but I, I think it's like all these little tricks. We rare, you know, we, we rarely get into these like battles, you know, if yeah. ever, that I see other parents getting into it. Like they're trying to, no, don't go up there, that's dangerous. And, you know, it's very easy for me. And the to kids say, don't that's... listen and, right. Yeah, it's just very So why easy do you think that is? Like, how, so how do you just, so you know from a teacher, you think how, how to preempt that or how to diffuse that? I think, so, yeah, I think so. Because as a teacher, we're so used to, A, we're used to seeing the same things pop up every year. Like, yeah. here's, here's the trouble spots we have to look out for. And yeah, you're just so used to talking to kids and the language we use. Oh, that's not a great choice. Let's see if we can make a different choice. All right, let's start over, use our regular voice. All these little things that you just say in the classroom come in such handy. And one thing we always do in our class, it's like, oh, big kid alert when they do things that are good. You know, so all these things have just... yeah helped as a parent so much you know it's amazing oh man you you could probably write i have you thought about writing uh, teachers slash parenting books and I, that sounds like you have i mean have you yeah i really do want to do that. my wife and i i really want to write it with my wife because i think i need to write it with someone who's not an educator because i don't even realize some of the things she's like whoa that's so cool you gotta write that in your book she's always saying that to me when i yeah when i do things you know yeah, I just I just come back and like, oh, we were on the playground and it was so this little girl was like not being so nice to our daughter, you know, and I'm like, so I, I decided I'll be the monster and the two of them are against me and like I'm trying to get them and they have to grow vegetables and each vegetable gives them a different superpower. And I'm just telling my wife what we did. And she's like, you got to put this in the book. Right. <laughs> so I, I sort of need someone who's not an educator to point out that's something parents would want to know. And right. Well, we'll check this out. So, so one of the let's say the difference between being a teacher and a parent that I can think of that may see what you would have to say about this. So, as a teacher, you're pretty much usually engaged directly with the kids, right? So, so a way to diffuse, like you're describing, like you kind of redirect by by play acting, let's say becoming the monster, and yet you can redirect the energy of the kids so they're not. Um, yeah, you know, involved in whatever, whatever they were involved in before that was you know, not so good. So, but, but let's say as a parent, maybe sometimes you're doing other things. You know, you can't, you're not yeah. always, it's not always practical yeah. to be directly involved with your kids. Sometimes yeah. you're, you're cooking dinner or you're talking to other adults or you're doing something. So how, so how do you approach that? Have you found that, that teaching can translate over to that also? Where, yeah, where, well, I mean, what you're saying is also true of the classroom because it's really yeah. our goal to pull back. Mm -hmm, our ultimate mm -hmm. goal is to like pull back as much as possible mm -hmm. and have them working things out on their own. And I, in the classroom, I try not to sort of step in and 
direct the games. I want them to sort of, if they're on the playground, I want them to create their own games and be doing their own thing. And we try to like not really be involved unless really necessary. Right. And sort of along those lines, you know, with, with the really little ones where at this point when they're getting into little squabbles, we kind yeah. of, give them, we'll give them a script at this point because yeah. they don't really have the language and we'll say, tell him I don't like that or say to him, yeah. stop it. That hurts me. And we will right. say those words. And then when, by the time they get to kindergarten, we pull back more and say, okay, tell them, tell them what you're, how you feel right now. Or, mm. you know, look at her face. What do you think she's thinking? Mm-hmm. So we're, we're, we try to like have them use their own language as much as possible. That's the goal for them to be expressing themselves. And it's the same thing with what you're talking about. You know, as a parent, I'm probably more involved. Like I jump in and I mm-hmm. direct, direct the play more than I do in the, in school. I uh-huh. think because in school, I'm really trying to get them to socialize. And as she gets older, I'm trying to pull back more because like I was always with her when she was like one, you know, I'm always like I was very involved because she wasn't ready. There weren't that many kids around now mm-hmm. like, when there's kids around and she gets into it. I try to pull back and see if she can handle it on her own. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to do that more and more. And she's just getting to an age where I can. Yeah. Um. I don't know if I answered your question. Um, yeah, absolutely. So if you're like, yeah, if you're like cooking dinner and and you hear them fighting or something like that. Yeah. Right. I mean, I guess my best answer would be like over time, you've sort of instilled certain things where you can pop right in for a second. You'd be like, and say like a quick soundbite that would like refer to a greater lesson that you've already taught them. That would be like, you know, if, if, right. if you're, if you're saying something that's hurting his feelings, I want you to think of a different way to say that, you know, something that you've already said a million times. So yeah. you don't have to, you don't have to like be doing it, but sort of referring back to something they already. Yeah. You know, have heard from you. It's, it's just takes, you know, whatever it's, I'm really happy to be speaking with you because I, I mean, whatever it wasn't, I didn't think it through that this is exactly what we'd be, we'd be talking about, but um, I realized how valuable what you're sharing and just even thinking along these lines yeah, it's this a lot of, really you know, it's a lot of work to, you know, it's a lot of work to be a parent. You know, so yeah. you have a lot of, you know, I've, I have like three, um, three, you know, uh, three little ones, three little boys. Um, I have some older kids also, but like, you know, a one-year-old, a three-year-old and a four-year-old. And it, it, it can get, you know, it can get uh, lively. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. And, and just, you know, in this midst of this conversation, I'm thinking how much thought and how, you know, how much patience and detachment in, in some ways emotional detachment from the you know the react let's say reactive rea- um reacting yeah. to whether whether it's hitting or biting or pushing you know <laughs> with three little boys it happens all the time you know yeah and push right. them to push the brother over like and then the urge to be like what you know how yeah. can you do that you know like and then you know like but it's it's it just takes a lot of wisdom it takes a lot of a lot of um stepping back you know, okay, so he's thankful. tired he needs yeah. some food you know he like let me redirect in this way you know it, it sounds like yeah. i don't know <laughs> i feel really lucky to have had all this teaching experience yeah to like you know like even like little things where it's like i can really spot a manipulative crying versus like right. crying right and maybe that's also a mother father thing where like maybe it's like moms yeah. are kind of wired to really you know, their heart goes out sometimes and I'll yeah. sometimes be like, she's just playing us right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. 
Um, but this, yeah, this would be interesting. We could do a round two where we just kind of talk about parenting and teaching and tips with, you know, different things that pop up with kids. That would be an interesting one. Well, I, so I, I think to, if to, to absolutely, I mean, I think to the, the, the real thrust of this podcast, which is we've spoken about is obviously, uh, geared towards musicians primarily and, and, but they're, but they're balancing their, their creative ventures with life responsibilities and the potential challenges that come up with that. And I think, you know, there's, as a parent, um, and as, as a, just finding a balance between, um, I, I was just, I'll present this to you as a question, because obviously, you know, you talk about having ability to channel some, a lot of your creative energy into your teaching. And I'm sure it's similar with your, with your parenting. Um, yeah. Do you find that you need or do you find that you look for or create structure where you can have some creative time like you time? <laughs> um, <laughs> it's very hard. Before the baby was born, my mm. wife and I kind of saw the writing on the wall just from knowing a lot of parents. And so we both were like at the computer all the time. You know, one thing you cannot say about me is I. I do not procrastinate. If you give me a minute, I will jump uh -huh. on the computer and work for a minute. And uh -huh. so I was working all the, because making this app, it took me about three and a half years or longer wow. because of full-time teaching and parenting and all that stuff to find yeah. the time was very hard. Um, so I have not found that balance. Like I'll mm -hmm. wake up in the morning and while I'm in the bathroom, I sit there with my laptop and I do work. <laughs> and then on the subway ride, I mean, a lot of this, app development has been, you know, my artist is in Serbia and then maybe a musician is in Boston. So I'm sitting there on this commute to school. I'm like, you know, proofing artwork and, you know, writing, you know, so I'm, I'm getting it done on the commute in the bathroom at lunchtime in school, <laughs> you know, so I, I do not get much time. So I'm just squeezing it in wherever I can. And when and I don't want to shortchange my daughter. So when I get home, I'm just like daddy time, you know. Sometimes yeah. if I have a real deadline on something and I want to push it out, I will throw her on the iPad and I'll and look, we'll all be working on our devices right. at the same time. But I try to be I'm I think I'm a lot more engaged as a father than probably most. So so is that home. is that natural enforced? Do you do you have to learn that or are you just naturally I mean, do you, do you need time just to veg out or, the, or the, yeah, that's not really something that you indulge in? Just like I, to watch a dumb show or, or play a game yeah, or, you know. I do that. I mean, luckily the whole family, we're kind of into that. So we'll uh -huh. sit there and veg on the TV after dinner, probably. Um, that's kind of all our ways to just kind of unwind. But if it's like a kid's show, she's like, let's watch. You know, she gets tired yeah. of it. And we throw on a kid's show. That's when my wife and I will jump on our laptops and we start right. getting some work done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we, we have what the, you have to give up something. So I've sort of given up my social life. Uh huh. That's sort of been where I've given up. We just kind of like, I go to work, then I'm daddy time. And then I get my own work done. Those are the, that's what I've got time for. I don't really have much time to see my friends or to like go out and experience New York anymore. It's just sort of like on point, just working all the time, kind of, you know, but, but my time with, you know, every night while my wife is, you know, cooking us dinner, she's like a great yeah. cook and I'm not, she'll cook dinner and I'll take 
my daughter out and we like go out to the playground. So we kind of like divide and conquer. So I'll, I get a lot of play right. time with her while we're cooking dinner and then we eat dinner together and then we maybe veg after dinner. And then if she goes to sleep, which she usually doesn't, she stays up really late. <laughs> then she, my wife and I will get some work done, you know, but it's yeah. sort of, it feels like right now with crunch time, like I think a lot of people I know who have had success, they like work really hard in their like twenties and thirties. Right. And I feel like I kind of missed that boat and I, yeah. <laughs> now I have to catch up in my forties. I hear you. I'm, I'm with so, you there. <laughs> yeah. So I'm working real hard now and it sort of feels like it'll be temporary. You know, if I'm able to like drum up some success with this app company, it might buy me a little freedom. Uh, you know, I can uh, maybe then afford, you know, someone to help me clean the house and some of the things take some things off my plate. So how are you, how are you defining success? Just kind of like the freedom to do what you the, the finances to be able to devote your time to more what you're. Yeah, that's really what I'm aiming at right now is to like have my own schedule. So the app company is my full-time thing. So if it were supporting me, I would feel like a success at that point. And, and would that, would that preclude you being full-time involved in running a preschool still or what is, what is your, yeah, yeah, it would. I mean, that's really what I, I, I really think I would, I'm one of those people who would enjoy all these things. Like if I were yeah. running a preschool, I would love it. But what I love more than anything is waking up every day and working on apps for kids, animations. And, and you know, I'd find time to teach maybe part-time here and there or go to my daughter's classroom and volunteer. You know, I'd find ways to do it, maybe give a guitar lesson or something. But I really would love to be on my own schedule, working for myself, building animations and apps and being creative in that way. I hear you. That's, yeah. That's so when I get there... That's when I know, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I have some similar ambitions. Um, and you're inspiring me to, to uh, make it happen. Not waste so much time. Well, you know, I, I put in time every day. It's just, you know, the, the, some of the inner, some of the, in, the inner obstacles. And this is kind of the whole purpose of this podcast is to help people work through these kind of inner obstacles that are getting in the way of the creativity. And and appreciate how let's say, sort of a lot of creative people having a family, being married, and having having kids is in the way of creativity. Some some people choose not to have kids at all, or feel you know this yeah. this tension between the two. So for me, I I see that there's there's a way to have a symbiosis because I because I I consider family to be of of highest priority. Yeah. But but at the same time, if I was all family and all just making a living doing something that I just need to do because I need to support my family while I consider that very admirable. But I feel there's a part, I don't feel it's absolutely hundred percent necessary to, even though that's a, a priority that I feel like in, in my soul somewhere that there's a necessity to be driving somewhere, somewhere also, you know, not that it has yeah. to be mutually exclusive. So for me, it's the, the dream to be able to be involved in music, which I'm so and every, I mean, I have other things I'm doing that are related. They're mostly related to music, whether it's this podcast or writing about music, writing, you know, doing um, uh, Torah thoughts on music. Um, yeah. And then, but, but then the main thing is, is creating the music, <laughs> playing the music is uh, something to be able to. And, and when I talk to people about it, so they get advice, especially from practical minded people, I have to be careful kind of who I talk to about it, even though, I appreciate the advice, the practical, very practical advice. <laughs> That's like, you know, 
you have to think about the bottom line. You have to think about your family. You can't just be run off and be chasing, you know, your your self generated creative energies. Yes. You know, but I but I so reframing that to saying, okay, so so one reaction I know a lot of people who have this reaction are like, okay, so I have to give that up because I need to be an adult. I need to you know suck it up and be you know there for my family, and I can't just be pursuing so quote unquote selfish creative passions right but, but i don't i still don't buy that i'm still holding on to because I, I i very sincerely feel that it's not really selfish and if that, it's and that feeling have, i think if it's feeding your soul and it's right you know exactly you're going to be bringing more to the table when you are with your kids and your wife right if you're sort of have this longing that's not being fulfilled and you're a little bit dragged down your energy is going to be lower you know if you if you you're you're working on your passion projects and you're feeding that side of you, it's probably better for everyone all around on some level. Exactly. Exactly. And finding, you know, you know, the Ikigai chart, you've seen that. What is it? um, It's a Japanese concept of like harmony and in one's mission in life. Basically it it takes four, it takes four different aspects of life. Um, What you're good at, what you're passionate about, what the world needs and what you can make money at. So like four different quadrants. And then you can have a combination of any of those three, or if you have all those four, that's called Ikigai. That's like the ultimate place to be. That makes a lot of sense. But if you have like say three out of four, it's pretty good. You could have a career that you're something you're good at. The world needs you make money at, you know, that's like, or you could just have a vocation where it's something you're good at that you make money at, but you're, you know, people don't really care. Yeah, so that, that, is, that rings very true to me. And I think yeah. I've been, I've had three out of four for a long time. I, I think I'm a little lacking on the money side. <laughs> right, I think most of us. I think. <laughs> on, that, on that note, in terms of like, you know, coming up with a good balance and listeners, I, here's what I found has been real helpful to me. Like, mm-hmm. um, I read a, I, I listened to like a book on tape a while back called The One Thing. Mm-hmm. You heard of this one? I've heard of it, yeah. And yeah, and in a nutshell, it sort of said like, you know, we're working on 20 different things. And some of those things, we should be working on some of those things are busy work. So, you know, if you could only do one thing today, mm. you know, and then at the end of that, you'd say like, okay, at least I got that done. You know, what would it be? And right. that's sort of where I start in the morning. I, you know, if I'm getting spiritual in the morning and breathing and stretching and praying and whatever, I will sort of, you know, throw out my positive, you know, my, you know, gratitude stuff. Like I'm thankful I can breathe without, a, you know, needing help and I can walk and my arms work and all this stuff. And then I sort of like put it out to like, how can I be helpful and get back? And, and in there I say, you know, make the one most important thing rise to the surface. That's what I ask for. Hmm. That's like part of my like personal prayer. Make that one most important thing rise to the surface. Sometimes I'll have it in mind. I'll be like, okay, how can I figure out, you know, how to make this tutorial flow better, whatever it is. Um, right. But often it's like, just make it rise. I ask that it rise to the surface. And you can broaden this to like, what's the one most important thing at school when I'm teaching with kids? What's the one most important thing today that I do with my daughter? What's the one most important thing I do for my app? And what's the one most important, you know, but it really has focused me. And, you know, don't get me wrong. I might do more than just one thing that day. I'll, most likely, you'll end up doing a lot more than one thing. Right. But that is a great way, a great focuser. If you're sort of a little lost and you're doing too many things, yeah. what's the one thing if I did today? And for me, it's like, okay, you know, if I 
whatever, I organize all these files that need to be organized. You know, just do that one. Right. Chances are, you know, so at lunchtime, I, I got, I usually like jump on and I get one thing done. I got to animate this band of characters and I have like, I got my drummer done, you know? Yeah. And if you start with that, it really does focus you. Cause I, you know, when I was younger, I would always be jumping from thing to thing and doing a little painting. I do a little, write a screenplay. I, you know, doing 20 right. different things. Right. But if you really can focus in that way, that's very helpful, I find. Yeah. No, I've, I found that that, yeah, I hear that. I haven't, I'm not familiar with that book, but I'm familiar with that concept. And yeah. I mean, it sounds like from, from what you're saying that, that, you know, the idea of finding motivation and let's say utilizing downtime to work towards a particular goal um, that drives you, even when let's say maybe you're, uh, energy is down or, you know, let's say you're, you know, there's obviously times that we all become despondent. We all become discouraged, you know, yeah. but you know, to, to not let that, um, turn into just wasted time and regret, <laughs> regretted yeah. time. Um, I, how do you, how do you approach that? Like, how do you, what do you keep I, in mind to, to keep you going in those, in those times? I guess at this point in my life, because I'm so there's such a dearth of time. I don't have much time. It's like, <laughs> I take it where I can get it. So you don't have time to be despondent. A, I, I don't have the time for it. You know, it's sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I do, I'll get like down about things and I, yeah. you know, you have to just refocus meditating or, you know, refocusing. But, uh, I, you know, like for example, I just have so much to do now. I, you know, there's something called localizing and that's for the app store, all the different app stores. There's French yeah. and Russian and Hebrew. So I have to like, translate all these things you know so i don't have time uh-huh. so, like if i could get anything done i'm going to start reaching out to people and can you translate the hebrew for me <laughs> you know like right find out, you know yeah yeah um, i don't i don't really bo- get bogged down in the emotions of it i just kind of keep charging ahead i think because i don't get the time if i had more time on my hands i probably would <laughs> be chasing my tail a little bit more yeah because i really don't have the time i i just like okay i've got an hour let me do this i just jump on the computer start working you keep busy yeah i don't know if i have a, i probably always i wasn't always like this you know i just think over time that's where i've reached well it sounds like i mean you have a you have a vision in mind i mean you can see yourself you can see having successful um company success you know that's give yeah. that's that's making some kind of contribution um something really meaningful to people and doing something that that gives you energy and gives you passion it sounds like you're you're that that keep i mean i I can relate to that that like when i you know sometimes i guess when 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 one can get despondent i think is maybe when kind of lose touch of that vision you know because 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 if you're in touch with that vision you're like i can see myself in that place i'm not in that place yet so the things i need to do to get there i need to just keep on doing um regardless of how i'm feeling because it's going to make me feel that's going to give meaning to what i'm doing and it's going to make yeah you know a great example is like this week, you know, so I, I just launched the app like a, two weeks ago, I think. Right, I, right. I put it out into the world. It's called Studio Island, in case anybody wants to go to the app. Yeah, I'll, I'll put the links um, in the show notes to Thank the you. app. Absolutely. And so I, I want to charge money for it, but I figured, you know, you have to have positive reviews. Yeah. So I'm going to put it out for free for a little while to get some momentum, get some friends and family looking at it and playing it and if they like it to write a review and so that's hard i've been reaching out to like everyone i've ever met and just trying yeah. to <laughs> spread the word and 
that has been exhausting. You know, I, I really enjoyed it for like four or five days because I'm getting in touch with people I haven't spoken to in a long time. And that's I love that. But then after a while, I'm like exhausted. Oh, wow, I'm doing this. It's been yeah. like hours and hours and hours. But I'm just like, you know what? If I don't, I'm not going to have time next week when school starts. I was like, okay, I'm just going to put my head down and keep doing it. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to jump from my Google contacts to my Facebook contacts. And I like, just change right. it up some little way to like trick <laughs> my mind into thinking that it's different. Okay, I have a bunch of business cards from old networking events. I'm going to start reaching out to that. You know, just switch it up in some way. Yeah. But I've just like, this has been an example where I am starting to feel like dragged down by it. It's like, I don't really want to be doing this anymore. Right. But I, but I have to. I mean, it's like, yeah. if I can get 100 positive reviews, that probably puts me in a different category. If I can get 200, that'll be even better. So I'm just like, here's one example where I, it's not, I'm not feeling like the light energetic like excited like right right like i just gotta slog through this you know well that's how you know that's kind of how it felt and you know when i was let's say doing a crowdfunding campaign for an album or um you know just fundraising in general you know dealing with the practical things that need to get done that are not necessarily fun you know dealing with i i think part, part of that's usually connected with like kind of exposing yourself to other people in their you know, you're asking for something from people, you know, even if it's something just like a review and, you know, um, or you're asking for money or you're asking for support of some kind, but you're doing it in like kind of a massive way. Um, it's energetically, I don't know, feels like I, I had a discussion with a rabbi friend of mine, like, why is fundraising so hard? You know, like, you know, it seems like there are people maybe who are, who are like really good at it, but you know, who, who, but like he was saying, no, it's hard for everybody because it, because it dignity is our natural <laughs> protection yeah. mechanism, you know, and putting yeah. yourself out, making yourself vulnerable. I think that's maybe why I like uh, stand up comedy, you know, is, is such a, a rarefied art because people are just putting themselves out, you know, and, and like putting their dignity on the line <laughs> every, right. you know, like, I'm, but uh, it's, yeah. it is. It's so I'm, I'm just stepping into that world right now. I'm wading into this, like all this, it's, it, I like, building the product, working on the music and the funny voices and all the creative stuff that goes with it. But yeah. this next step of marketing and the business strategy side of life. And yeah, that's a whole new world for me, you know, and I'm just trying to stay positive and say, you know, maybe I'll love it just as much. That's what I'm <laughs> trying to convince myself, you know, that's good. And so far, I, I you know, I, I like learning. So I'm enjoying it, it's a little daunting. There's a whole like app store optimization and marketing side of life. And, you know, it's a little confusing, but I do, you know, like, I think because I so strongly want to build this specific life for myself that yeah, I'm just, I'm into it. I'm excited about it. You know, I'm so trying. Is, it, is it, is it mostly built on this one app or you're, you're conceiving of other apps to kind of go along with it? You're hoping to build the company on this one. app. No, it's, I, I want to build a series of apps, um, you know, this, the idea started much bigger, you know, it's like this character goes to all these different worlds and there's lots of, I'm, I'm going to go to teach a lot of musical curriculum through different apps. Right. And so it's going to take some time to build more. I didn't realize just what a huge undertaking building one app is. I mean, this is a very robust app. You know, I can build a lot of small little apps that like yeah. attack one little thing that right. won't be quite as, difficult but i have a few other really big ideas that will take time so i want to build out a bunch of apps i have a friend who has about four or five apps 
out there and, and it's supporting him, you know? Yeah. So that's sort of what I've got my eye towards. Put out a few and hope to like start the business. It's been great talking to you, Craig. You Me know. too. Let's, let's do a round two. This is fun. Yeah, man. Um, well, I wish you a lot of success with everything. Um, I really appreciate you reaching out and, you know, it's, uh, it sounds like you got a really good formula going, you know, just keep, keep it up. You're, um, thanks, man. Thanks. I really appreciate it. It's so nice talking to you and I wish you the best of success as well. Thanks, man. Okay. Let's talk again soon. Looking forward. Okay. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bug, I know. I called out her name. What a shame. Little ladybug, you're gone. This feeling is strong. My heart can't be wrong. And this thumping inside. Beats right to the skies, oh Little ladybug, come home 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 Misplaced the note that I wrote to a little ladybug I know. Those words I said don't mean black or red. Little ladybug, you know. This feeling is strong, and my heart can't be wrong. And this thumping inside that beats right to the skies. Oh, little ladybug, come home. 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 Oh, be free, I want you to be, oh, be free, whoa, whoa, na, 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 I'm sorry that I made you cry. That was a Craig Shatton original called Little Ladybug, featuring Craig Shatton on guitar and vocals, and myself, Yisrael Aryeh on drums. That was done a number of years ago. Uh, Craig came over to visit, and we just were playing around, played one of his, t- recorded one of his tunes. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Craig's always a, a really fun guy to have around. It was really fun talking to him. 
And I, again, I recommend checking out his app. The link's in, in the show notes. I think there's a lot of wisdom there, inspiration. You know, Craig, combining that, that kind of entrepreneurial motivation with creativity, tackling areas that are not necessarily comfortable but are unnecessary part of the process to achieving one's goals, finding that one thing that's the most important thing in exclusion of all else that's going to make everything else easier and sometimes unnecessary. So I would also recommend checking out the book, The One Thing, that Craig recommended to me. I'll pass that along to you all as well. So I once again want to thank our patrons for supporting us and our music releases, our podcasts. Go to soundheightsrecords.com. Go to patreon.com slash soundheightsrecords. Check out the Brooklyn Jazz Warriors show October 2nd, 11 p.m. at Rockwood Stage 1 in Lower Manhattan. And remember, with abundant singing and playing of music, we bring about the true and complete redemption. See you next time.